This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, and 89.3 in Morris Joliet, covering much of central Illinois and now a lot of northern Illinois. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. Remember, always, that we're brought to you by you and couldn't be on the air without you. So if anybody out there would like to make a donation, large or small, we can always use it, and it's always welcome. And if you'd like to make a donation, you can go to our website. That's catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. And it will tell you there more about us, and it will also tell you how to make a donation. You can also call our station at area code 309-807-2427. Again, that's 309-807-2427. And... Uh, I think that Lent has started. I shouldn't say I think Lent has started. Lent has started. And uh, we just went to uh, the Ash Wednesday Mass last week. And so uh, it's one of the best seasons of the year. I think we're going into spring, which is always good. And, of course, we're heading toward Easter. And uh, it's the highlight of the year for uh, our church. And uh, I just always look forward to uh, Lent and to changing our meals and so forth. And it, it just seems like a, a whole brand new season, and that's what we're going into now. Is there anything at all, Lynn, that you want to say about that? Yes. We're going into Lent. I think the readings, the daily readings of the Mass, they're always listed in, like, the Catholic papers, or you can go to the U.S. Conference of Bishops, and it's listed there. Following those, and just doing those readings— it will only take you maybe five minutes. You will get a lot of rewards from doing that. Also, pray for the people coming into the church. Come Easter, Holy Saturday, they will be brought in full communion with the church, the converts, people that are coming in. And speaking of that, our great-granddaughter, Josie, will be baptized tomorrow. And looking forward to that, having a celebration for her. She won't know it, but we'll have it. <laughs> exactly. A lot of good things coming up, and I hope a lot of good things coming up for other people. And uh, pray, you know, for world peace. Uh, it seems as if we're always in some kind of a war or another, and uh, something always going wrong somewhere on the earth. But there are a lot of good things, too. And what I want to talk about today, we're going to have a medley sort of of current issues and uh, how those issues do relate to uh, Catholicism. At first, you might ask, well, what what do some of these issues have to do with the church and with Catholicism? But I think if you hold on, you know, we'll see. And uh, what I want to talk about today is uh, not just current issues, but particularly current issues. And uh, we're going to talk about some of our modern myths and uh, some of what I think are scams and uh, also get into the idea of cults as well. And I think uh, that that word right there uh, makes it something that the Catholic Church uh, should pay attention to and we as Catholics should pay attention to. So uh, I want to read a letter to start. And it's a letter uh, to the editor of a newspaper. And uh, actually, it's a letter from a person out in Idaho. I'm not going to give the name of the person or anything, but uh, uh, to a, a, a particular newspaper. And I think it's a good one, and it will sort of launch uh, what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, 
the title of the letter is The Sky is Not Falling. And the writer goes on to say, everyone has free speech. So if you want to claim that the sky is falling or that carbon dioxide is a pollutant, that's your right. In other words, lying, while morally wrong, isn't against the law. However, if you profit from telling a lie or if you cause other people to lose their money because of a lie, you have committed fraud, which is a criminal offense. Any politician who claims that carbon dioxide is a pollutant and authorizes the expenditure of public money on the climate change agenda should immediately be impeached from office and prosecuted for fraud. Carbon dioxide isn't a pollutant. It's necessary for plant life. More carbon dioxide results in more abundant plant growth. And since plants produce oxygen through photosynthesis, greater plant growth means more oxygen for humans to breathe. This is a scientific fact. Each year, volcanoes produce more carbon dioxide than man creates. The ocean is the biggest source of carbon dioxide, emitting carbon dioxide when it's warm and absorbing carbon dioxide when it's cool. The sky isn't falling, and carbon dioxide produced by man isn't the source of climate change. Politicians who want to spend hundreds of billions of dollars on the climate change fraud should be sent to prison, not to Washington. Now, that may be a little extreme, the letter, but maybe not. <laughs> the fact is, is that uh, we ought to start thinking about uh, the idea of scams and the idea of fraud and, and so forth. Uh, it's not anything new, certainly, among the human race. And uh, we have current issues, in my opinion, that are really not balanced. And I think this letter uh, gives some important facts, uh, sort of uh, testing on that uh, particular issue. And I think it's a good letter, and I don't think it really is that extreme. I mean, we need to start having a conversation, a real scientific conversation, about uh, what's going on on our planet, and not the extremes and the crisis type of uh, uh, sort of conversation, not conversations, but uh, a sort of a hysteria that is going on. And so we're going to start there with this myth of carbon dioxide as a pollutant and explore that just a little bit more and see if it leads us into something that the Catholic Church certainly should have an opinion on. And that, again, is uh, going into the, this idea of scams and cults. And uh, the church, of course, uh, we, going by our scripture, uh, Christ said, uh, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And we certainly don't get the truth by hysterical uh charges of the, the kind that are going on in you know in our country and around the world today so let's let's talk a little bit more about that uh, again the, the point here in this letter is that carbon dioxide is not a pollutant and uh, <clears throat> carbon dioxide is not poison and it's not poison even in large quantities it's not a poisonous gas at all of course if you're in a situation where you're deprived of oxygen and all you have to breathe is carbon dioxide of course you're going to die because you're simply you're dying actually from a lack of oxygen but let's look at the earth itself and uh do you think lynn that most people know or are aware of and certainly shouldn't they be made aware of that at one time the earth was mainly and you know the the life on earth was anaerobic meaning that uh, it didn't use oxygen at all the first life on earth was life without oxygen that's what anaerobic means it means without oxygen and that was the first life on earth 
And uh, in fact, oxygen was uh, poisonous to those those creatures that are or plants that uh, depend on uh, anaerobic. They depend on carbon dioxide. Yes. The fact is, is that uh, anaerobic bacteria was really the first life on Earth, and it was actually when plants came into existence that they started producing a byproduct, and that byproduct uh, was oxygen, and the, the oxygen is deadly to anaerobic bacteria, and so the fact is, is that when oxygen was first produced on this Earth, when when, the, when as a byproduct of the plants, the plant life that had started to come into existence. A lot of the life on Earth, perhaps uh, if I remember, you know, reading correctly, around 90% or maybe more of the life on Earth was wiped out. And it was not wiped out by carbon dioxide. It was wiped out by oxygen. Oxygen is a very, very caustic gas. And it is very, very difficult to handle. And eventually, life on Earth evolved and adopted to the oxygen and was able to handle the oxygen. It, it changed life uh, in some ways for the better, but in other ways for the worse. I mean, with, with you know, there are always benefits and there are always uh, liabilities to any kind of uh, change. You know, when you get a benefit, there's always going to be a liability with it. You know, you get the telephone and it's a great thing and so forth, but you're going to have to put up with a lot of people bothering you and so on. Uh, every every virtue is capable of having yes, a yeah. right, capable of having a vice. Isn't that correct? That's right. For every action, there's a reaction. Yeah, there you go. And uh, so the fact is, is that the oxygen wiped out most of the life on Earth, and oxygen is still highly poisonous. Carbon dioxide is not poisonous, but oxygen is. Oxygen is poisonous to human beings. It's poisonous to all life on Earth. If you get too much oxygen, bad things happen. You know, in, in effect, for example, uh, not only did it wipe out the earliest life on Earth, even after animals like ourselves learned to adapt to oxygen and came to depend on it, too much of it can still be deadly. Uh, for one thing, uh, remember, you were a nurse, and uh, right up uh, until, you know, in our lifetime, there were people uh, that were blinded because when they were babies— they were uh, born in such a situation, I'm not sure what the cause was, but they needed, uh, you know, they were uh, suffering from a lack of oxygen. And when doctors uh, gave them oxygen, it caused uh, later on in their life, it caused them to go blind. And they were well, blind. they were put in incubators for many reasons. And, uh, and, of course, if you're in an incubator to keep you warm or for... To give you, you know, to help you sustain life at first, if you're very weak, and you have to have oxygen. Well, they put the set it at too high of a level, not knowing that this caused blindness in these babies. Exactly, and, uh, and that went on for quite a while. Yes, it did because I can remember, and you know, in my own mind, to, to people out there, it, it, if I, when I tell you the number of years, it will seem a long time ago. But I, I guess it's been about thirty years ago or so. Uh, well, I it's knew, not a long time. No, it's not a long time in my lifetime anyway. I, we, there used to be a person, remember, that used to walk by our house all the time. And yes. he was blind and he went down with the cane and mm -hmm. uh, he would walk down. He would usually go down to, uh, uh, what's the, that tavern that was right next to where uh, Vitesse used to be down there. 
He would go down there. One time I was in there, stopped in there to watch a ball game. I think they had a lot of sports down there. And I think I stopped in to watch a football game and have a beer. And uh, this person was sitting there. I recognized him, you know, and uh, he's sitting right next to me. And we got into a conversation, and I told him, you know, that we see him go by our house all the time and so forth. And uh, he lived up in, in, in further north of us. And at any rate, uh, I he got to talking about what, you know, what happened uh, to him. And, and it was that's exactly what happened to him. He was given too much oxygen when he was a baby, and uh, he lost his sight. And so this was... 30 years ago or so that I was talking with him, and I don't know how old he was. He was younger than me, but nevertheless, it couldn't have been more than about 30 years before that. So 50 or 60 years ago, people were still being blinded by too much oxygen, weren't they, Lynn? Yes, they were. So this is what happened to him. Now, very, very unfortunate. But uh, So we shouldn't be jumping here to, that somehow oxygen is perfectly safe and carbon dioxide is perfect, you know, is somehow a pollutant and bad, and that's what we're getting into. Uh Oxygen also causes uh, our aging. Uh, we age a lot more rapidly, the creatures that use oxygen, than creatures that wouldn't have to use oxygen because uh, think about what oxygen does to iron. It rusts, right? That's right. And that's simply oxidation. Oxygen does also the same thing uh, to aluminum. You have aluminum oxide. You have all various forms of oxide. oxide oxygen is co always constantly breaking things down. So oxygen is just as hard to deal with or harder to deal with than carbon dioxide is. And again, we have to go back to the fact that plants produce oxygen and uh, animals produce carbon dioxide. And so when plants produce more oxygen, then, you know, or, or I mean, when plants, plant, plants produce, uh, uh, yeah, plants produce more oxygen, then there will be more life available on Earth that uses oxygen and in turn, it will be producing carbon dioxide, and that will offset the oxygen being produced by the plants. Because if we had too much oxygen, we'd be in trouble as well. And there's this balance. Is the balance perfect? I mean, does the earth balance itself in some kind of like a steady state? No, it doesn't. It goes from one, if you want to call it extreme, to another extreme. But that extremes, those extremes are within livable parameters. If they weren't, there would be no life on earth. So if there is a carbon dioxide problem, it's not some kind of a absolute crisis uh, that has to be handled immediately or all going to be wiped out by 2035 or our planet's going to heat up. If you take a look at our planet out there, planet Venus, uh, it is a very, very hot planet. The, the, the heat on Venus is enough uh, at the surface temperature to melt lead. Mm -hmm. And that is, of course, because Venus's atmosphere is mostly carbon dioxide. But why is that so? Why is it mostly carbon dioxide? It's mostly carbon dioxide because Venus doesn't have life, as we, as we know it at any, at any rate. And uh, the, the fact is, is if Venus had the type of life that uh, we have here, that carbon dioxide would be offset. It, it would be used by the plants, and the oxygen would be produced as a, as a gas, as an uh, uh, offshoot of the, the, the plants using uh, carbon dioxide. And the planet would uh, not be as hot as it is, and it wouldn't have that greenhouse effect, and uh, it, it would have more life. I mean, it, because it had life. So the life on Earth has done much to balance our atmosphere, and it still does. And the ocean, of course, does it as well. It's got uh, The ocean is just full of plants, and it's also full of animals, and there is a, a huge balance on our planet because of that. So this idea that uh, carbon dioxide 
is some kind of a poison or some kind of a pollutant needs to be addressed. It is not a poison. It's not a pollutant. Uh, it is not anywhere near as caustic as oxygen is. Uh, it won't kill you if you breathe it. And uh, it will not uh, accumulate to the extent that it's going to wipe out all of the plant, all the life on Earth. Because as more carbon dioxide accumulates, it makes it possible for much more plant life to exist. And that plant life in turn reduces the carbon dioxide and produces oxygen. And when there's too much oxygen, the opposite happens. Then there are more animals produced and there is less uh, uh, oxygen in the atmosphere, and uh, there has been, has been a balance. And so this hysteria over this idea of uh, oxygen being, uh, I mean, rather of carbon dioxide being some kind of a poison is something that uh, needs to be stopped and uh, needs to be addressed and talked about in a sane and scientific way. So we're going to have to stop here and take a break. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in Bloomington Normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. This is it. The final performances ever in Bloomington, Illinois. This is the last season for the spectacular performances of the American Passion Play, the greatest story ever told. The American Passion Play brings Christian history to life with authentic costumes, elaborate settings, and live animals. There's intrigue, drama, friendship, and as the plot unfolds, betrayal, sorrow, and love. You must see the American Passion Play before its final curtain falls at the Center for the Performing Arts in Bloomington. Viewed by generation after generation, this is theater at its best. Performance dates are March 11, 18, 25, and April 1st, and each performance begins promptly at 1 p.m., Reserve your American Passion Play tickets today by calling 309-829-3903. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Hi, this is Bob Johnson. We're back from our break. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're talking about some of the myths that are going on in our society today uh, on current issues. And uh, I read a letter talking about the fact that the sky is not falling, that the carbon dioxide that people are seem to be so afraid of is not a poison. And it's not a pollutant. It's very necessary to life on Earth. And uh, the Earth does not balance itself in some kind of a steady state way. You can have uh, it moves from one parameter to another. Uh, both parameters are, are fine for life. Life does not get wiped out uh, simply because we have more carbon dioxide at one time than we did have at another time. As it builds up, it will... Uh, also be depleted uh, by the increase in plant life. And if oxygen, which is a poison, builds up too high, it's the same thing happens. 
there is more animal life on Earth, and the oxygen is used up. The byproduct is carbon dioxide, and uh, that then makes it possible for more plants to grow, and, and the balance goes back and forth. We also have to understand, as the letter writer pointed out, that volcanoes, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of carbon on Earth. In fact, without carbon, we'd be dead. I mean, all our life is based on carbon, and uh, carbon dioxide is a a byproduct of life. And uh, without carbon, there'd be no life. Our life is based on carbon. And so it, it's not a poison and not a pollutant. And uh, we need to understand exactly what happened on the earth that at one time uh, all life depended on carbon dioxide. And when plants came into existence and produced oxygen, most of the life on earth was wiped out. And oxygen today is still uh, something that all creatures have to deal with. And it is a poison. It slowly kills us. Uh, it causes oxidation in our bodies. Our cells and so forth are used up. The whole aging process uh, happens. And uh, we even still use oxygen today, don't we, Lynn, uh, as a disinfectant? Well, yes. To yes. Kill, kill off bacteria? Yeah. Yep. Keep in mind that God established the earth with an order, and this order keeps things in balance if man doesn't interfere. Yes, it does. And uh, again, uh, we talk here about, uh, for example, fire. Fire is simply rapid oxidation. Uh, things oxidize even without fire. Just leave paper sitting around long enough. Leave a book sitting on the shelves in the library long enough. And uh, if uh, some t- type of bacteria or insect or something doesn't get to the paper, pick up the book and you'll begin to see the paper turn brown. It will look as if it's been singed by fire. You know, the edges of the paper and so forth will be brown. That's this process of oxidation. Fire is just a rapid process of oxidation. The oxidation is just speeded up uh, when you have fire. But the same thing happens uh, when you see leaves turn brown and rot and so forth and go into the ground. Uh, that's a process of oxidation that is going on. Oxida- oxygen causes decomposition. And, of course, in the long run, that's a good thing. Things decompose, and then they're reused by uh, other animals that live or bacteria or plants that live a different kind of life and can use the so-called poisons that are given off by that decomposition. And uh, they then will in return things to a different state, and the cycle will start all over again. And that's how the Earth works, and that's why the Earth is livable. And, it, it, and the fact is, is that life on Earth has changed the whole planet uh, into an entirely different process than you would find, for example, on Venus. Uh, so... Uh, the benefit of breathing O2, the benefit of using the oxygen, people say, what, what is the benefit of it? You know, why, why wouldn't we want to not use oxygen? Well, the benefit is, is because of the oxidation produces a lot of energy. It produces a lot of heat and so forth. And we can live the animals that use oxygen at a much faster pace and faster life with more muscle and more power and so forth than you could without oxygen. In other words, it's a fuel. <laughs> or it makes, I shouldn't say it is a fuel, but it makes possible for you to burn the fuel that you do get in a manner fast enough to produce enough energy that you can live a different kind of life than, say, a plant could or anaerobic bacteria can live. And so that is one of the benefits. But there's always a trade-off. Again, anytime there's a virtue, there usually is also a corresponding vice and uh, vice versa. Anytime there's a vice, there's usually a corresponding virtue. And one without the other sometimes... uh, can, you know, in other words, you know, taking something strictly as a virtue 
can also sometimes turn into a vice. So uh, these are one of the, you know, the, the things that we need to remember. Uh, and then when we take a look at our fuels on this earth, such as natural gas and coal, they're all being uh, put down and talked about as if they are some kind of a poison and we need to get rid of them and have some kind of non-polluting energy as if there's this so-called clean energy and so-called green energy. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit too. And that is also a false statement, uh, this idea that somehow wind power is clean and uh, somehow or another that electricity is clean and uh, that uh, solar energy and wind energy are somehow clean. There are problems with solar energy and problems with wind energy uh, as well as problems with any other kind of energy. Uh, when we talk about natural gas, let's, let's t talk about natural gas. There's this, this idea. Natural gas, of course, is methane, and it's a met methane gas. And there is this idea out there today that somehow or another uh, we have to there's too much methane gas. You get uh, rid of the cows. Get rid of the cows. You know that the flatulence of the cows is going up into the atmosphere, and somehow or another the methane gas is going to accumulate and kill us all. Well, the fact is, is that I just was talking earlier about how oxygen causes decomposition. Well, the process of decomposition is the creation of methane gas. Now, I pointed out that oxygen allows life uh, to speed up. In other words, it, be, because the oxidation process releases a lot more energy more quickly, and life on Earth can, can, can become very mobile. Uh, and you can have large uh, animals such as human beings, elephants, and cows, and so forth, and everything that are mobile and uh, have enough energy to uh, accumulate enough mass and so forth to, to, to reach larger sizes and move about at uh, fast paces in an entirely different kind of life. And that's a good thing. But let's talk about the so-called flatulence that is being released into the air. Suppose we got rid of all the cows and cows didn't exist. Would this stop the methane from being produced? No, it wouldn't. Because all of the vegetation on the earth, the trees, the uh, shrubs, the grasses, and everything else, uh, all of these rot. In other words, they decompose. They oxidize. <laughs> they're, they're oxidated by the oxygen. And they decompose. And what is released? Methane gas. So it would be released in a slower manner, but nevertheless, it would be released. So if we got rid of all the cows, would it mean that the, the uh, flatulence process would stop? No, it wouldn't. It would be spread out over a wider area, but it would continue to go on, and it would have to be dealt with. And, of course, it would be dealt with by the life on Earth, by the, the, the difference between plants and animals. Uh, it would be taken up again and reused in various ways. And if you don't believe it, uh, you know, go, go to the various the idea of a swamp gas. Uh, this is exactly what it is. It is the decomposition, decomposition of things. So if we got rid of all the animals on Earth, which, of course, would be a d death to the plants, but somehow or another if plants could still exist, plants produce mass, and that mass would oxidize if there's still oxygen on the Earth and so on. And a decomposition would cause methane gas, just as we have swamp gas. That methane gas would still get into the atmosphere. Uh, it would be released uh, you know, through the, the swamps and the waters and so forth in a natural process or else uh, volcanic action and the earth action and so forth would release it into the atmosphere just like you know volcanoes do and 
it, there would still be a problem to be dealt with regardless of what you would do. So we need to talk about those things in a sane way and ask ourselves if we have some kind of dire crisis on our hands that has to be handled in the next 25 years or all the life on earth is going to be going out of existence. We have young people who are actually believing these things and they're being scared and terrified that somehow or another they're living on a planet that's going to die because of uh, too much uh, of a pollutant called carbon dioxide, which is not a pollutant at all and is necessary for life. And somehow or another, they're not being told the other side of the equation. And that's what we have to remember, that every equation has two sides. And uh, it's a good parlor trick to show you, you know, the left hand while the right hand is doing something else. And that's exactly what's going on, I think, a lot. Uh, in this hysteria over the climate change, we constantly talk about one side of the equation without talking about the other side of the equation, uh, the, the, the balance of the equation. The fact is, is that carbon dioxide is not only being put into the air, it's constantly being taken out of the air. It's taken out of the air also by other processes. It's taken out of the air by water, and water is made up of hydrogen and oxygen. And uh, when there's too much carbon dioxide in the air, there is a tendency for more rain. The rain washes out the carbon dioxide in the air. Carbon dioxide is easily dissolved in water. And uh, when it's dissolved in the water, it goes back into the oceans, goes down to the bottom of the ocean. In fact, at one time, it was thought by scientists that eventually the earth would die because all the carbon would be captured by the water on the earth, the rain and so forth. It would be put back into the oceans, taken down to the bottom of the ocean. And once it was down there, it would form, you know, the mud and so forth at the bottom of the ocean. It would no longer be available to the life on earth and life eventually would die in a cycle, you know, that we have would stop. They didn't understand tectonics at that time. They didn't understand that the earth's surface is made up of huge plates that move around on the surface, and these plates dive and go under each other, and the so-called bottom of the ocean is really not the bottom of the plate. And uh, when that plate dives down into the magma of the earth, down into the liquid part of the earth, it emerges again on the other side of the earth, and all of that carbon and so forth that's been trapped down there by the water uh, that dissolved it and put it there, it will be brought back to the surface of the earth, and it is being brought back. Carbon that went down there millions and millions of years ago is now being brought back to the surface of the earth. And that's a good thing because if it all accumulated at the bottom of the earth, uh, the earth would eventually die. And I can remember reading in the 1950s, uh, I remember one of the scientists, uh, uh, Isaac uh, Asimov, wrote a book on how the earth eventually would die because all of the carbon would be trapped in the bottom of the ocean. And uh, eventually, it would be the carbon, life on Earth would be deprived of carbon and slowly go out of existence, and the Earth would be dead again. But that's not going to happen because of the plate tectonics that we found about, found a few years later. In other words, by about 1960, 62, right in there is when plate tectonics came into existence, and we began to realize that the Earth itself is constantly replenishing its surface. Uh, from down below and that all of the things that are carried down to the bottom of the ocean eventually will be brought up again on the other side of the earth. That plate tectonics, of course, is what's happening right now in Turkey. And there are, mil- not millions, but there were, what, I think 40,000 people, isn't it, Lynn? No, at least 45,000, I think, yeah. near that. Have died in those earthquakes, and we, you know, we don't want people to die in earthquakes. That's that's a horrible thing for the for. Oh, to be buried, yeah, exactly. alive. But nevertheless, 
that is a process uh, uh, that has to go on on Earth. Without the earthquakes and without the plate tectonics, the Earth would be dead. But it's not dead. It's a it's it's uh, a dynamic place, and uh, things are changing. And if they weren't changing, the Earth would be dead, and we you know the life on it would be gone. So we have to look at something as a whole. We have to look at the balance. And it is a bad thing. And, of course, the church would never say that we need to have all these people die. Human beings have to deal with these things in the best way that they can and mitigate these circumstances. But it would be a bad thing to stop earthquakes on the earth because you'd have to stop plate tectonics. And if you did that, then eventually the earth would be no longer dynamic. All of the it would become very stagnant. No life would eventually there'd be no life. There'd be no life at all. So, I mean, we are not God, and God cannot become us, or God cannot become the earth, because God is a unique thing. You know, God, in effect, is the force that is actually the beginning and start of all things. And uh, there is only going to be one God because of that. I can get into that some other time. I explained that once before, that, uh, that God is the cause of everything. So therefore, in some way or another, it has to contain everything. And that's why God cannot be, there can only be one God, because if something else contained more than God did, or as much as God did, then it would be God. (laughs) So you can only have one prime being, and the rest of the earth is going to have deprivations, or there would be no life at all. And so you have to choose. You have to choose between to be or not to be. That's the question that uh, William Shakespeare posed, to be or not to be. And existence is better than non-existence. And the Catholic Church teaches that. And that existence comes at a price. And some of the things that are happening around the world are the price that we pay. And we pay a price for, again, for having carbon dioxide on the earth. And we pay a price for having oxygen on the earth. But without both of them, there would be no life on earth at all. And so there is a balance between them, and we need not get hysterical because that balance is not always perfect. So, uh, People are getting, you know, they're making a religion out of this uh, worship of the earth, in a sense, or this green movement, to me, has become like a cult. Exactly, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment. We're going to talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Because that is exactly where Catholicism comes in. There is a difference between a religion that understands the whole concept of God and that understands the whole concept of life and understands how all of this balances and works together and brings in faith along with reason and love along with reason and not just reason alone and can understand the whole and not just the parts. And I think that's one of the things that Catholicism does and has always attempted to do. And I think that's why it's very, very necessary, uh, Christianity in general, but Catholicism in, in particular, and why the church itself has to have a say-so on what's going on today. Because if you take these things and do not balance that equation, you begin lying to people and you begin using the crises and, and, and causing hysteria in order to advance your own cause and to get the things that you want. And when you start doing that, you're depriving other people of their life or you're depriving them of property or you're depriving them of peace of mind. You're depriving them of money. And again, going back to that letter, that should be considered a fraud and fraud should be against the law. 
And I have to look at, too, that we have to go back to the orthodox teaching of the church, meaning the truth, and look at what was handed down to us in tradition and go back to that and believe in that, teach it, and live it. Right now, I think we're going through a period of time where we're kind of getting distracted by all these things, especially this overreacting to the natural processes of the earth and of life. We need to go back to what we were taught and what the church believes. I think uh, even the upper echelon of the church has gotten caught up in this fad, is what I call it. Exactly, and when you when you look at the whole picture, the the church, you know, is actually is what caused science to develop in the first place, and it has a very very good orthodox understanding of how the world works, and a very good and orthodox understanding of God, and it has a way of looking at things in a longer term, and an understanding of. Uh, the balance uh, that's going on and we need that more than ever today so we're going to have to stop here and take a break so stay with us we'll be right back you've been listening to being catholic with bob johnston on catholic spirit radio this is it the final performances ever in bloomington illinois this is the last season for the spectacular performances of the american passion play the greatest story ever told the american passion play brings christian history to life with authentic costumes, elaborate settings, and live animals. There's intrigue, drama, friendship, and as the plot unfolds, betrayal, sorrow, and love. You must see the American Passion Play before its final curtain falls at the Center for the Performing Arts in Bloomington. Viewed by generation after generation, this is theater at its best. Performance dates are March 11, 18, 25, and April 1st, and each performance begins promptly at 1 p.m. Reserve your American Passion Play tickets today by calling 309-829-3903. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in Bloomington Normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Hi, this is Bob Johnson. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. We're talking about uh, some of the issues, the current issues uh, of the day. And one of those, of course, is the climate change and the idea that somehow or another carbon and carbon dioxide is a pollutant and it's going to uh, kill us all in the next 25 or 30 years or less. I think some people have been saying by 2035. And we have to understand uh, the whole balance of the equation, the carbon cycle, the oxygen cycle, if you want to call it that. And uh, the fact that, that this is not going to happen, it's not happening right now, that uh, plants uh, produce uh, carbon dioxide and animals produce oxygen. 
uh, or rather animals produce carbon dioxide and plants produce oxygen. And uh, each one uses the opposite. And uh, they're necessary uh, balance to each other, just like a man and a woman are necessary balance to each other, that the earth does balance out. And that uh, man is not some kind of a pollutant either. We're not some kind of a, of a disease on the earth, as a lot of people are saying that we are. And that uh, the earth is not going to suddenly go out of existence, uh, that there is a balance that will be restored. We need to take a look at some of the things that are considered uh, pure or green and uh, clean energy. And we need to take a look at uh, windmills, for example. People say, well, why can't we go to, you know, the, we have the wind, the wind power, it's clean and so forth. But it's not clean. Uh, for example, for one thing, it's not really that efficient. Uh, to use the wind, you have to have a tremendous amount of surface area to capture it. And so that means in the old days that uh, you had sailing ships. And one of the problems with sailing ships is the amount of surface and amount of area that you had to use to capture enough power from the wind to sail the ship. In order to do that, the ship could not contain nearly as much cargo as, it, as ships can contain now. It had to be built in an entirely different configuration to uh, be able to move back and forth with the wind and so forth. And it had to have a lot of ballast and, and so forth in it. And, uh, and because of that, it couldn't carry anywhere near as much cargo. And the fact is, is that it used a tremendous amount of wood. One of the things that England wanted from uh, the America, from the New World, was wood. Uh, they used up most of their forests and so forth building ships. England was a naval nation, and it took a tremendous amount of wood to build ships back at that time. And it took a tremendous amount of rope to run those ships. It took a tremendous amount of sail. You had to have a lot more people on those ships in order to work all those sails and uh, do it that way. And that took up a lot of room and it took up a lot of cargo just to keep the people on that ship alive with the water and the food. And uh, this this was a deprivation. It wasn't it wasn't something for free. Wind costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of money in labor. It costs a lot of money in material, and uh, it, it used up forests and and so forth. And steam, and uh, was an entirely more efficient power as it came into existence. It was using coal that was stored up for us kindly by Mother Nature. You know, in other words, uh, if you can translate that, you know, into God's God's plan and God's world. Uh, coal is millions of years of sunlight and plants, uh, and releasing it is not releasing anything that hasn't been on the earth in the first place. The carbon and carbon in, in coal causes carbon dioxide and so forth. Uh, it was something that was in existence uh, and available on the earth's surface at the time. It was stored up by the plants from sunlight and wind. It took wind just as much as it did sunlight. So you had so coal is as much wind energy and sun energy as is a windmill because the coal was formed by the power from the sun. And the sun, of course, powered the wind that brought the rain to make the plants grow. The wind has to move the water around the earth in the atmosphere in order to bring it to the right places so that the plants themselves can grow from the sunlight that is the energy. They can then store that energy and uh, accumulate it and compress it into uh, smaller amounts that can be used by us in later times. The energy that was taken out of the atmosphere and taken out of the earth back at that time is being put back into the earth now. There's a balance to that equation, and we need to talk about that. And we need to stop the hysteria that's going on in this idea that uh, wind power and that uh, green power, that uh, solar power are clean. Because what happens 
uh, with uh, solar power and wind power, much of the time uh, we don't have the wind and much of the time we don't have the sunlight available to us. Uh, at nighttime, there's no sun. And then, of course, during cloudy days and rain and so forth, uh, the sun is, is, is reduced. The power from the sun is going to be reduced. And the same thing with the wind. Sometimes you have the wind and sometimes you don't. You have to spend a lot of money building the machines to catch that wind, and those machines have to be maintained, and that all causes pollution. But there's something else that does. If wind or solar is used as a primary source of energy, and it's, it's not an auxiliary uh, portion of energy, then there has to be a time that uh, that energy has to be available when the wind is not blowing or the sun is not shining. You can't just put a windmill up there and then hook up the wires to it and everything, hook it up to your house and say, hey, it's all done now. My house is going to be taken care of. The minute that the wind stops blowing or the minute that the sun goes down or it gets cloudy, all of a sudden you don't have that energy available anymore. So what do you need if you're depending solely on the wind or the sun? You need batteries. You need batteries that store that and batteries that are powerful enough and efficient enough to do the job when the wind isn't blowing or the sun isn't shining. Those batteries are costly and those batteries are made out of very, very toxic materials. They're made out of very rare earth metals and those metals are very toxic in themselves. They're costly to mine and the mining itself is dangerous in the sense that the tailings from those mines is very, very toxic. Uh, getting into the water and stuff can cause a very, very serious problems, just like they're having problems out in uh, New Palestine, uh, Ohio, out there near on the Pennsylvania line. And you can have that going around, all around the world. Another thing about those minerals is they happen to be concentrated highly in China. And Russia has uh, also more than we do. And so uh, that can be a problem as well, depending on other countries for our, our power. Uh, for us here in the United States, makes us uh, a lot more dependent. And uh, there are a lot of places in China today that are very, very polluted from, from lithium-type batteries and so forth because they were handling this, uh, you know, the, the refuse, the old batteries and so forth and uh, other things and computers and other uh, instruments that were breaking down. Electric cars. Right, and, and, and this polluted a lot of areas of China, and they're not going to do it anymore. I mean, so we're, we're going to have to do it here or somewhere else. And the human toll. And it's 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 either it's very high exactly. because of the waste products of these these products. Exactly, use the same word twice, but it's the truth. Exactly, I'm glad you got that in there because I, you know, uh, that is that is exactly the point. And the thing is, is that we are going to have to do more of that ourselves. And there's only two ways to do it. One way is 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 to do it cheaply. And if you do it cheaply, it's it's a very polluting process. It's also a fire hazard. You know, in fire hazard, those batteries catch on fire and it's polluted a lot in China. Or you can do it in a non-polluting way and it's very, very costly to do. It's harder to clean up that kind of pollution and control it than it is to control uh, what we can from the natural gas and so forth that we can do now. So again, uh, how is this related? You might, people might want to ask to, you know, Catholicism, why should the Catholic Church or why should my program here be concerned with this? As interesting as it might be, what has this got to do with being Catholic? Well, it has a lot to do because a lot of this, as you pointed out earlier, Lynn, and I'm glad you did, is, is sort of a cult behavior. I mean, th there is this idea among a lot of people 
And I think this uh, of the earth is some kind of a god or goddess. And it was G.K. Chesterton, I think, that said, people who profess to believe in nothing, people who profess to believe in atheists, people who profess to believe simply in the facts and simply in science, people who profess to be, believe in reason and reason alone, he said, in, in effect, he said, in other words, people who profess to believe in nothing will end up believing in everything. And they do. When you, when you, when you lose this and you run on one wing, you run on pure reason. Uh, as Chesterton said, insane people have not lost their reason. Sane, when people become insane, reason is all that they have left. And you can reason your way into anything. You can reason your way into hysteria. You can reason your way into the end of the earth. You can reason your way into, uh, uh, all kinds of things, and we have done that in the past. I mean, there have been movements in the past and movements just recently that are— And now. Yeah, and now that are just our cults. In other words, you were talking about a cult. There, there, There is a cult of the climate right now. There is the cult of the earth. There is this idea that somehow or another our earth was some kind of an Eden. It was pure— and it was clean, and the people living in it were sort of this natural man, you know, the, the living on earth, the, the noble savage and so forth. And if only we could go back to that, somehow or another, we would have a wonderful planet and everything would be clean again. And then the Industrial Revolution came along. Man uh, became too smart, uh, smarty pants for his own good, and he created all this confusion. Man is sort of like some, some kind of a, a disease upon the face of the earth. And uh, somehow or another, uh, the Industrial Revolution or modernism uh, is some kind of sin, and it's sinned against the, the uh, Eden of the earth. And uh, it has to be done away with, and we have to purify it again and purify the earth. And this is the whole uh, modern uh, green uh, man is God. World, world movement. Belief has done this right, and and somehow or another, you know, the, the earth has to be restored to its natural state. It's a religious myth, but a religious cult. It doesn't really explain things as, let's say, the Catholic Church explains things, and the idea of. Uh, of a God who created the earth and so forth and that it was good and that it's operating properly. It's an entirely uh, dysfunctional religion and all people are religious. I've said this on this program many, many times. Uh, you can't throw away religion. Human beings are inherently religious. You can't get rid of it. <laughs> Anytime that you start having a concept of good or evil, bad or good or whatever, uh, no matter what you do, you're going to have that concept. And it doesn't exist in nature. It is religious by its nature. And a dysfunctional religion can destroy a society faster than, than guns and bombs will can. In fact, dysfunctional religions lead to guns and bombs. And uh, that, that's what this kind of thing can lead to. We are destroying nature around us with the, with the uh, windmills. How many birds are killed by that? There's always a, a, many, many, many. There's always a downside. There's uh, the whales that are dying, the fish. We're destroying things in the name of uh, saving the earth. There's a downside to everything. 
Right. Uh, there isn't any <laughs> any free ride. Uh, there's always a balance of the equation. You have one side of the equation, you have the other side of the equation. There is no such thing as getting something for nothing. And wind power and uh, solar power are, are just as uh, dangerous and polluting as, as other types of power. Uh, we know and have known for a long time that fire is a, a, a huge benefit to man. We can live in places we couldn't live before. We can cook. We can do many things with fire, but fire is still dangerous. It will still kill. It will still destroy, and it has to be contained and it has to be handled properly. But but we know that without fire, we would be much worse off, that, that people are not going to live in some kind of a paradise without fire. We found the same thing with uh, protecting ourselves from cold, and uh, we find the same thing with uh, uh, our farming or anything else. Everything has a, a, a good side and a downside. There isn't anything for nothing in, in the universe, uh, and we live in a world that does balance itself out. And conservation is a good idea, but that's taking care of what we have. Uh, there isn't any reason why we can't make coal cleaner and when we burn it and recapture a lot of the, the various the elements and so forth that are in it. We have to remember that it was here in the first place. All of that energy, the carbon and everything in the coal, the sulfur and all of that was all here on the earth and it's been used. It can be released back into the uh planet again and it can it can be done so safely and the fact is is that the oxygen that we breathe is killing us <laughs> we don't live forever uh we're not god and uh on this earth the way th things are uh there is life that comes into existence and goes out of existence and those are all things we have to deal with and those are things that the church deals with and those are things a cult can't deal with and we have to remember how long ago was it lynn that uh there was this whole idea of uh, repressed memory. Oh, it's Remember when probably that, 30 years ago. When that cult was going on and oh, that yeah. fad was going on 30 years ago or so. But I think it was uh, the, the early 1980s. There was this idea that all these children were abused and they couldn't remember their abuse. Their memories were repressed somehow. And then these various psychologists and so forth would, in effect, lead them into confessing or saying that they had been abused when they were children and their 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 psychological problems a lot of people have psychological problems were caused by the abuse that happened to them that their memories were repressed and so forth and perfectly good parents were vilified some of them arrested put in jail and everything else terrified of what their children might do under the auspices or under the handling of some of these so-called psychiatrists and psychologists and uh, of course, this this fad quickly burned itself out because eventually people began to demand <laughs> uh, justice that they were being accused of things that they had never done, uh, based on children being uh, led along those lines and, and misled. We have the same thing now. We have it coming to light that ninety-seven point and a half percent of the people that are led into believing they are transgender have problems such as autism and other psychological problems and that these children uh, and a lot of them are children should never be led into that and even if they are adults a lot of them still are led into this because their thinking is not good and they have psychological problems and other problems from childhood on and so forth that need to be dealt with and the transgenderism is some kind of an, another uh, cultish fix that somehow is going to 
<laughs> improve and change everything. More and more of these people are coming forward and saying they never should have done these things. And uh, of course, it, it, you know, it should make sense to anybody that when you are thinking that your, your, your own person, your body and so forth is not yours, or it needs to be drastically changed in order for you to be happy, that there's a problem there. And so again, it's a lot for the church to deal with because it does uh, bring morality uh, into question and uh, just the very idea of misleading people through hysteria and using all kinds of crises and so forth and cults to mislead people down the wrong lane for your own benefit should be illegal and against the law and it certainly is immoral and it's something then that the Catholic Church should begin studying and it should have something to say about it. So I think we can end with yeah. this. On Ash Wednesday, those that went to Mass or to any Ash Wednesday service and obtained the, the ashes, and what did they tell you most generally? It's from Genesis. From ash you came to ash you shall return. And in that process, as your own body decompresses, decomposes, what happens? You give off gas. We bury bodies for that reason. But it returns back to the earth, and that's what was intended in Genesis. That's a very, very good way, Dennis. That's exactly the case. Remember, man, that you are dust, and unto dust you shall return. And this is the whole life process. It is something brought forth by God. It is not something that we should run away from. It is not something to be hysterical about. And uh, the, the sky is not falling, and it's time for us to start recognizing it's not a new thing. So, not a new religion. St. Michael, the archangel, defend, defend us in battle. battle. Be, Be our, our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. devil. May, May God, God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the, by the power of God, God thrust into hell, hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's Bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio 